podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 114 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast. Brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. It's just me and Pete today uh, to, to take you through, unfortunately, uh, an absolutely appalling Everton performance away at Crystal Palace. Um, after a great win against Arsenal and morale on Monday, you, you would have thought that we put in a much, much better performance. Yes, again, Pete, there's, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked of, of both manager and players after that performance. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think we joked on the last podcast, you know, what Everton will turn up. But I, I tell you what, I didn't expect the one that we've just seen because they were awful. Um, it's like it's like two different sides. You know, I, I was I was there on Monday night, you know, elated, proud, um, you know, feeling feeling connected to the team. Feeling like we turned the corner. Feeling like you know we'd answered a lot of big questions, not not just on the pitch, but as a football club. Um, and then today, you know that that was shameful. It was absolutely shameful, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto it. But the, I think the two big things for me are number one, the performance on on the pitch, and two, some of the decisions that were made in terms, of, I think, personnel and how. Um, how the game was managed and you feel like as an Everton you don't want to stay in this repeated cycle of getting rid of the manager and calling for the manager's head and we all know we need stability but it's really hard not to ask the question isn't it? I mean obviously we'll come on to the manager shortly uh, I think it's now is a good time to, to have that that discussion Um but like you say, you know, you come away from Goodison Park on, on Monday on top of the world. You know, what a fantastic goal from Damari Gray, 92nd minute. And you just think any other side would use that as a platform just to, to push on and kick on and, t- and tear the corner. Uh, and, you know, we, we thought today, I know we were missing Alan. Uh, I had a bit of a niggle and Yeri Mina, obviously, he's, he's injured again. Um, but Mason Holgate played the majority of the game against Arsenal anyway. But, you know, you, you still... Looking at those two sides on paper, for me, we've still got the better individual players, in my opinion. Mm. And we were just totally, totally toothless. Again, I thought we lost a midfield battle, especially first half. Um, Richardson got absolutely no service whatsoever. And we'll come on to, obviously, his substitution shortly. Um, Demario Gay was probably our most effective player first half. Had a couple of chances, didn't he, which were of his own doing. And the tactic seemed to be, let's just sit in tight. Get the ball to Demario Gray and see what he can try and do. That 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 was how how the how the the tactics came across to me because we looked like he didn't know what we were doing. Mm. There was only one side he wanted to win that game today for me, and and it certainly wasn't Everton. Everton were just happy to contain. If we come away with the point, I think the manager would have been happy. Uh, I mean, you were saying piece at half time. You you found yourself agreeing with what what Graham Souness was saying, which in itself is incredible. Um, and you even had, had Alan Pardew you talking a bit more sense as well because of. How poor we were. Yeah, I, well, I don't think that's ever happened in, in my life, but I thought Sunas was spot on. He said, you know, Everton tend to have a way of playing as a football club. And what we saw in the first 45 
wasn't it? And it, it was like we'd come here on a containment mission. You know, the, you'd think the game plan is, you know, what you'd expect to take to Manchester City, not to Crystal Palace. Um, and I completely agree with you. You know, e- even with the players and the personnel we've got out, we're better than that Crystal Palace side and we should be going there and trying to play football. Uh, it, it was just like we repeatedly gave them the ball back and just sat back and, and tried to soak them up and hit and, and hit them on the break. And it, it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. It just played into Palace's hands. I think after about 20, 25 minutes, there was a stat, 73% possession Palace had. That's disgraceful. You know, and you've, you've got three players in midfield, you know, Delph, Gomez, Decore. I think, I think they probably saw the least amount of the ball out of, you know, all, all our players on the pitch. It was just bypassing the midfield constantly. Um, I'm not being critical of Decore, but first half, it, it was he barely touched the ball. He couldn't get in the game. He was a bit more involved in, in the second period, but we were just unrecognisable. And it, I think, like you said, Mike, it's that loss of momentum. You know, we, we, we keep looking to turn the corner. Um, and the longer this goes on, you know, the, the more worrying it gets. I think that what's that five points in 30 out of a possible 30 now? The, the run, the run is absolutely, absolutely appalling. And, you know, we've spoken about it at length on previous shows. We found it difficult as time has gone on to defend, you know, the, the, the tactics of the manager to defend certain players. You know, when really, you know, we should be going to Crystal Palace, a side who were below us in the table. They were 14 before today's game, where we now find ourselves, which yet again is absolutely appalling. And we've gone there as if, as if we're playing one of the top four sides and we've sat off. And, and I know we play a particular way, but the, the brand of football is ugly. And it's OK playing ugly football and, you know, doing doing little niggly fouls and breaking play up and things like that. But our style of football is awful to watch and we're not winning games. So it's even worse. So if, if that's the case, you've got to try and do something different. And, you know, it, it takes until, until what, going um, 2-0 down for us to show any kind of reaction. And you think, well, where was that for the first sort of 65, 70 minutes? Where, where was he? Um, and that, that's the biggest concern because we, we're seeing it now too often. They always flash up on the telly every single time we go behind about just taking 10 points from losing positions this season. Well, my, my issue there is why are we always going behind in games? Why is it taking us to go behind in games to actually react and get something from a game? And, you know, out of 18 points for 10 of them to, to have, have been won from being behind in the game, some might say it shows character. For me, that's alarming because we should never be in that position against some of the sides that we've actually fallen behind to. Um, you know, I just every time you watch us, you, you struggle to pick out any kind of positives. And I couldn't find one yet again today. I just couldn't find one, whether it be the the players on the pitch, whether it be uh the manager's tactics. I mean, let's let's that's we can. I mean, we can sit here all day and discuss their goals because yet again we've we've conceded from a set piece and it was awful defending for the uh, for the their second goal. Um, the first goal we give the ball away to Mari Gray. Obviously, we cut him a bit a bit of slack because he's he's done well this season, but it's an individual mistake. Coleman also to blame as well. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot. But I've got I've got it. I've got to come on to because it's a massive massive talking point. This. What are your thoughts on the on the Richardson substitute situation, Pete? So he brings on Solomon Rondon. Um, obviously, we're, we're looking for a goal. We're, we're at the time we were one 0 down. 
um, if memory serves me correctly. So we're looking for a goal and he takes off arguably our best player after 58 minutes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I said to to you lads in our, in our group chat at the time, we've got to win the game. When he makes that call, we have to win the game. Otherwise, he's going to be called out on it, and rightly so, because it was absolutely baffling. The, the Arsenal game, he's got a hat-trick. You're fair enough to, yeah, fair, two of them are borderline offside. But, he, you know, he wins us that game just as much as Damari Gray does. He, he was outstanding. You know, the, the lad on his day is unplayable. He's world-class. He's always got a goal in him. So, you know, to haul him off, uh, you know, and bring on Rondon. You know, fair enough, Rondon gets his goal, but yeah, it's absolutely baffling. Uh, you know, and surely he must know that people are going to question him for that decision. Um, I wish, I, I know we'll come on to it in a minute, but I've said many, many times on this podcast, you know, when, when he makes calls like that, they have to go his way. Otherwise, he's going to be questioned on them, and there's no hiding place, is there? There's not, and obviously we're recording immediately, immediately post-match, so we haven't seen any kind of manager comments yet, but he will justify that today in the fact that Rondon scored a goal. So take out the equation he's lost the match 3-1. He will say, well, the Charleston was ineffective. Rondon's come on and he scored a goal. Now, we're all obviously delighted that Rondon actually got off the, uh, off the mark for us. It's something which I'm sure was weighing heavy on, on his mind. But if you're chasing the game at 1-0 down, why aren't we? Why aren't we putting two up front? Why, why are we taking off? Like you say, a player who scored three three goals, probably two legitimate, or should have been against Arsenal um, on Monday, so just a, just a few days ago. Why are we keeping him on the pitch to work alongside someone else, try and get some more service into him? Because we know it's one nil. Even if the, as the game goes on, if it stayed one nil, and that's a substitute was made. Longer it stays like that, the edgier they get anyway. We're going to get more chances to get crosses into the box and push them back a little bit further. So you're going to want bodies in the box, aren't you? I, I when he when he put his number up, I asked, I sat there and I literally could not believe what I was seeing. And mm. I think the the most concerning part of it all now, piece is we've now seen the fans turn in terms of fans in the ground. They were chance of. Um, fat Spanish waiter from the away fans and obviously they're not condoning that kind of chance but that was what was said from the away fans there was chance of red and white shite there was then chance and support of Richarlison mm. are you seeing the fans now you're seeing the fans turning and, and saying listen it's time for you to go in my opinion and I don't want to you know we're going to have the discussion shortly about that but when that happens I think it's a long long way back for any manager when you're on the run that we're on, despite a, a, a morale boosting or supposed morale boosting win against Arsenal a few days ago, when you're on this kind of run and you're putting in those kind of performances and you're setting up that you know that way tactically, you've got a long way back to have any chance of winning the fans back over. And for, for me personally, I just don't see things ending ending particularly well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I think for me the perfect the perfect comparison is Allardyce, and I know I I, I made a joke in our group about um, Rafa being a, just a Spanish Allardyce, but you know at least with Allardyce we finished eighth. You know I, I can remember going to a home game and watching us beat Newcastle one nil, and thinking this is one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. You know it's, it, we we played terribly, 
but it was effective and we won and we finished eighth that season so you know how how do we justify keeping on Rafa making these you know really baffling decisions that are arguably losing us games I mean they're certainly not winning us games um you know, even the even the, the the team that started the game. You know, I think I said to you, lads. You know, look, this this kind of looks like four three three. But then when we don't have the ball, we're all the way back behind the the, the halfway. And I couldn't work out the press side of it. It was like when they had the ball in their eighteen yard box, we were being quite aggressive. But then the moment they got beyond that sort of eighteen yard twenty yard line, we completely backed off. Um, and it just seemed like a really strange, unambitious game plan. Um. And I think he is losing the fans, and I think he's losing the players as well. I mean, I, I, it's widely known he he seems to have isolated or singled out Luca Dean for you know potentially one of several reasons that we you know we may come on to. But I think the moment you lose that the the, the connection with the fans, it it's a matter of time, isn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent, and we've said it time and again because of his his backstory and his history, the pressure's going to be. Um, you know, a lot higher on on him when the uh, when we hit a, a negative a negative patch of form. It's been it's been a long long time. I was ran now for a good couple of months where we're not seeing us really, you know, turning the corner. And when we should be turning corners and picking up more points than we actually are, we're not doing it. And that's that's the really concerning thing for me. Has he lost the players? You know, potentially. Um, like you said, then we, we've seen the whole Luca Dean situation unfold since since the Arsenal game, which we'll come on to shortly. And I just when when these start then when these things start to happen, combine that with obviously the poor run, falling out with, with players, Richardson certainly wasn't happy of coming off today, and, and I certainly can't blame him for that. Then his position as manager will always be called always be called into question. But I think that the biggest issue we've got along along those lines is that Farhad Mishiri appears to have given him all the keys to the castle, so to speak. You know, mm. we're seeing Marcel Brands, who's gone. Um, we've seen, obviously, changes made in the medical department. Um, we're, we're hearing about more changes at boardroom level as well. The manager has admitted that he's going to be um, responsible for the transfers in January, assuming that he's still there. So it's the, the Mafar machine is given the biggest vote of confidence that he could have possibly done at this, this particular stage after a really poor run, run of form. And that's where the concern comes in with me is, you know, because he's he said all these things and, and he's now getting more power. When it comes to asking the question about whether he should still be manager of the football club, is he going to be able to pull the trigger in, in terms of say, well, yeah, now your time's up? And it's it's strange, isn't it? Because I mean, this is a worse run the Co- than than Coleman had. You know, why was it not accept- acceptable for Ronald Coleman? You know, why was you know why 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 did Allardyce get 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 the sack? You know, why why was Marco Silva not given not given more time if for some reason Rafa, Rafa Benitez is the, the the man that you know everybody seems to put the faith in? It it doesn't seem to match up, does it, with history? No, not at all, and. There'll be some, there'll be some that will argue, and I totally get this sentiment that you know we can't keep on hiring and firing managers. We, we've done it too often since David Moyes left, um, and it's not the not the way to go. We're looking for stability, so at the first sign of trouble, should we really be saying it's time to, to move the manager on? Um, like you said, the run is absolutely terrible. Mm. The brand of football is awful. 
he he's thrown out with players. You know, and it wasn't just Luca Dean who, who who's questioned him, by the way. Um we saw obviously the issue with the, the Richardson substitution today. Um and it's sad really because we, we should be I know obviously we've lost the game, but we should be focusing really on the on the key points in the game. And you know, it's it's really difficult to do that when you you're seeing you're seeing us in this predicament and you, you don't see how we're gonna get out of things with with a you know probably the most difficult game of the season so far to come away away at Chelsea. You know, and it's it's really, really sad. But you know, all the goals, you look at all the goals that we conceded, they're all avoidable. They're all totally avoidable goals. You know, we said the first the two in the first half, the one later on in, at the end of the of the game, you see Seamus Coleman trying to be clever and boot the ball at a player, goes through the fellow's legs, under Gomez gets the ball, gives it away into the box and they score. I mean, yeah, good finish, but shot ourselves in the foot. So three times, it's it's three mistakes for me. Another set piece where we conceded. And the whole we thing's have to... sloppy, isn't it? It's all it's sloppy. And no, no pressure on the ball. You know, the amount of times the ball will pop out and, they, you know, uh, Zaha or, you know, the, 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 the lad on the other wing could just take a little touch, look up and knock it in. And you just think that's not acceptable. No, of course, of course. We were never ever in that game on the front foot. We were never looking to exert any kind of pressure. We don't play a press, do we? Everton just don't play a press. It's, you know, they, we were letting Palace play out from the back. They were in control doing it. They weren't rushed in doing it. Um, I think under under Ancelotti, there was times when the players knew when to put it on, and other times they wouldn't. They just they would back off, but they knew what they were doing in that sense. Whereas now it's almost as if the players just sort of follow the ball around as it goes across the back four or the back three of the opponents and just follow the ball. They don't really try and chase it down, and you know it's it, it's a waste of time with us. We just tend to just go long, don't win the first header, and don't pick up the second ball. So what's happening all the time is we're doing that. They're picking up possession and we're back to square one again and we're trying to win the ball back. They might go to Pickford and then the same thing happens again. And it's just, just there's no semblance of a plan for me. And it was evidence again today. It's, as I say, it was almost as if let's try and contain them. If we get a draw, then great. Um, and if we go behind, we'll, try, we'll, look, we'll look to try and deal with it from there. And that for me is, is, is not good enough. It's certainly not good enough for, the, for this football club. Um, and despite it, as I say, a decent win on um, on Monday, it doesn't hide the problems that we've still got. And the question now is whether whether the manager is next in line to, to be moved on. But let, let's take a short break, Peter, and we, we'll pick things up in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Chainsy podcast. Unfortunately, like we said, it's, it's time to discuss the, the manager. Um, we've always been since we started this show in, in February 2019. We, we've always very much tried to try to back the manager. Marco Silva was going through a really really rough time uh, at that particular point. Stuck at it, um, stayed on for us another ten months since we started recording. But we're always always think it's important if we can do to 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 put a bit of an argument in place for for the manager because things can happen, things can go wrong. Things can can conspire to go against uh, particular managers, and and we, we know that the current manager has has had his issues in terms of injuries to to key players, having no money to spend, and that certainly bought him a little bit of favour 
in the in the time that he's been here with some sets of fans, including ourselves. We were keen, we've been totally keen to push that message and not, you know, hit the hit the self destruct button too early. Um, we're at the point now, though, Pete Army, where we're probably beginning to to question the manager a lot more than we than we ever have done. Um, and, and after today's defeat away away at Crystal Palace. He hasn't done anything, has he, to really sort of change our minds. And the question of whether he should still be in charge of the club in the foreseeable future is there once again, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's he's ticking all the wrong boxes, isn't he? Like like you say, he's, he's fallen out with key members of the, the first team squad, um, you know, and, and players who on the day can be match winners um, and, and players that hold, you know, tremendous... Uh, you know, transfer value, commercial value for for us as a club, which shouldn't be the most important thing. But it, it you know, let's face it, is very very important. You don't want to be isolating one of your your key assets. The, the performances on the pitch are inconsistent and generally sloppy every week. He's making strange calls with the team sheet. He's making strange calls with substitutions on the on the pitch. Um, and now, yeah, he, he seems to be. Having a bit of what even more of a disconnect with the fans. He, he had a, a disconnected initial appointment. I think we we made a good start, which took a bit of pressure off him. Um, but since then, I mean, yeah, he's had a bit of bad luck with injuries, but he just doesn't seem to have handled it well um, on on a number of different levels. And you know, I I was fairly critical of some sections of, of the fan base a, a couple of weeks ago for maybe not being particularly specific about the protests and you know what they want to change and I think I'm in danger of um, getting my wish come true and that I think fans might end up having a very very specific message of wanting the manager out Um, and he's not got many more games for me I mean I felt if he lost the Arsenal game that might be a game too far I think that's the really frustrating thing, isn't it? That we we can put in a performance like that and then just seem to like run ten steps back with with the way that we approached the game today. You know, it wasn't even one or two key moments. It was from the off, wasn't it? It was from kickoff, and that's the worrying thing for me. Yeah, it's to- totally totally that, Peter. I mean, combine that with like we said, it, you know, with the first part of the show. You know, we we look at what's gone on with Luca Dean over the last the last say six seven days. So the manager reports that he wasn't in the Arsenal squad. Um, oh, sorry, the squad for Arsenal, not, not the Arsenal squad. Although he might he might join him in January the way things were going. Um, so he wasn't wasn't available. Um, so he could have been selected. So straight away for me, and I had this discussion on Friday on Radio, Radio Merseyside. Um, it was brought up, and I think. A lot of blame is being, being thrown towards Luca D. And for me personally, and I said this on Friday, it's it's not as straightforward as that. As as a football club manager, you've got to look to put fires out. So players and managers always fall out. Of course, they do. we don't hear about 99.9% of issues that players and managers have. You know, the, the, the thrust together, together in a job, you know, let's think about you know people you've worked for over the years. We don't get on with everyone that, we, that we've worked for. You know, that's that's just human nature because we're thrown together to do a particular job. Now, if reports are to be believed, and and what Paddy Boylan put out for, for the Athletic was was absolutely correct. You know, we we've we've had a had a quick chat 
in in regards to those who put the article out, if you like. And Annika Fairness story was 100 percent true. You know, there's no no issues about that. There was arguments between the two. Uh, Dean is crushing the tax of the manager. He's frustrated that he's been uh, his role has been has been now made a, a bit more well, a lot more defensively than it used to be. So his so it did happen. So we know that for a fact. He's fallen out. They argued in Spanish, um, and the managers punished them. Now I'm not really saying that the manager totally wrong to punish any player. There's no player who's above who's above the law, or so to speak. But what you've got to be, you've got to be savvy and how you go about it. So remove from the training session, fine him, do whatever you want to do. Even if you've removed him from the squad against Arsenal, fine, that's your decision as manager. But in terms of the public, you've got to play the game. You've got to come out and go, maybe a week or two. You know, we was pitched, we was pitched in Paris on the Saturday before the Arsenal game. You can, you know, you can just say, yeah, we didn't have some time off. No problem. And people will buy it. Do you know what I mean? People will buy that, that situation. What what he has done by coming out and not refuting any kind of injury claims and basically saying, oh, he could have been picked, but he wasn't. Straight away, you're adding fuel to the fire. As a manager under pressure, that's the last thing that you want to do. As Rafael Benitez, a former Liverpool manager in charge of Everton, that's the only last thing that you want to do because fans will look at any excuse to get onto your back when we're, when we're on the run of form that we're on, going into a difficult game at home to Arsenal. You don't want to do that. And it was a Tuesday morning. Luca Dean refused the claims, which I think the club have probably told him to do. To be perfectly honest, I think the club have probably said that uh, to try and to try and make things die down again. If that's the case, why is he not on the squad today? Why is he still not being picked in that squad? Luca Dean makes that squad a lot better than it actually is. So if he's in the in the twenty, we are a better side, and we can use him. And it's that attacking centre, left back, put Godfrey right back, maybe, whatever it might be. And we've chosen, or the manager's chosen not to do that. So you, you've made an example of him already. Deal with it over the last five, six days. Find him. It, we saw him back in Sweden on Friday. He was definitely there. So why aren't we picking him? Why, why is he why is he being so so stupid and stubborn as to not put Luca Dean in that squad today? Because I can't ask that question, Pete. Yeah, it just feels like a power play, doesn't it? That's all it is. That's all it is. It's as if the owner's given me all this power now. I'm in charge. I'm going to make an example of you. You're one of our most high-profile and, and say, senior players. Um, So what I say goes, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave you out for two matches and we'll see how we get on from there. Now, he's saying that he wants Luca Dean to to have a little think about, you know, he's got to do what's best for, for the team. Well, so is the manager as well. You've punished them already. Don't let it run on and on and on. And it, it, it works when you're winning games and when you're winning titles. Yeah, I, I think Mourinho is the perfect example of this. I, I think Rafa and Rafa and, Yo, and, and Jose Mourinho are very, very similar. I think characters and managers and tacticians. And we've seen Mourinho win titles and freeze players out. You know, they they seem to to like certain players and certain types of players, and they're the players that get in the team, and they're the players that the sort of squad's built around. And do you know what? If if you're if you're winning trophies, then you're hailed as a genius, and you're hailed as a you know a tough character. And um, I think I was you know I was reading a quote from 
for, from uh, Gerard, you know, about the, the game this weekend. I think he called, um, you know, Rafa the, the master of tough love or something like that. And, again, you know, again, if you're winning matches, then fair enough. But when, you got, when you're in relegation form, you know, when you're at a club like Everton and you, you're taking them through, you know, the, the worst run of form in the history since, you know, what is it, 2013, something like that. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's untenable. It, it's un, it, you can't be it can't be justified. There's there's nothing that can for me at the moment I can really justify the manager staying on. And I hate I hate saying it. And I hate you know, wanting people to to be to be removed from the position. Um, we all knew when it when the position when he was brought into the manager's role that it was divisive, the most divisive appointment that he could have made at the time. A lot of people say he was the right man for the job, and he's he's a master tactician. And like you say, you know, we, tough love that he that he that he actually uh, he's famous for. And uh, you know, it works. It works for some, not for others. But maybe we needed that. Um, we we all said, you know, the signings that were made for for what we actually what the outlay was, he, he done pretty well, and we started the season well. So when things are going well, people don't question these kind of things, and we get that. But. It's always good to assess where where teams are at this time of the season, and for us to be sitting 14th, even with the injuries that we've had, now with a, an almost fully fit squad to pick from, that's not good enough. So even if you look at it on results alone and take out everything else, take out the link, you know, the the previous links to to our neighbours across the park, take out things that have been said in previous years, take that all away and just strip it back to ultimately. Where are we in the table? It's not good enough, is it? So that alone should have the the owner, the board, looking at, well, is he agree the right man for the job? Now, again, the concerns are, how how often are we going to be caught in this loop where we bring someone in and, you know, very, very quickly they're, they're moved on? I mean, this would be a rapid, rapid fire, wouldn't it? If he was moved on, it would be a massive, it would be a really, really quick second. But the question is, though, who would you even bring in? Where would you even start to look at another manager? Who would want the job when we're going to go into January with no money again? We're going to go into January with no director of football. Um, we're looking at possibly a couple of loans. We've got, we're going to have probably one or two really, really disgruntled players, Luca Dean being one, um, Richardson potentially being the second. So who's going to want to come in and take over from? From a manager because I can't think of anyone. I mean, the, the obvious choice would be Duncan Ferguson. Again, divisive in in its own way. Again, isn't it really? Because people weren't too hot on him getting the job last time around. So the question of whether he should be sacked or not is, you know, looking at it on in isolation is fine. But then you've got to look at what do we do if he does go? And I don't even know where to start with that, Pete. No. No, and the the job is almost starting to feel like something of a, a poison chalice, isn't it? You know, a, a, a aging fractured squad, squad that's made up of you know the the, the tenures of five or six different managers. Um, you know, yeah, no director of football, financial fair play restrictions that are tightening the the, the transfer purse. Yeah, who's going to want to walk into that? You think other than a staunch Evertonian. Um, and that shortlist would, would probably be very, very short at this time. However, like we both said, how do you justify 
keeping on a manager that's picking a team that can't seem to win a football game um, and that can be so wildly inconsistent. I mean, I, I, I cannot get my head around the difference between Monday and what we've just seen. It makes no sense to me. I do not understand it. Um, and yet the, the players have a, a huge amount of responsibility, but I, I think sadly a lot of it rests with the manager because it seems like the way they've been set out to approach the game is completely different. And I think what you said about, you know, it's only when we're in a losing position and the players have to find something within themselves or then have to come forward and then have to fight that we seem to get something from games. I, I completely agree with what you said. I think that's extremely worrying and it's a pattern and it, it, it's a pattern that doesn't seem to show any sign of changing. And when you look back, actually, that's how we won our first game of the season against Southampton. It was a terrible first half. I can remember saying on the podcast, so it was only when we went behind and we had to come out. Um, you know, the, the, the Burnley game as well was similar. And, you know, as you start to go over some of, some of these wins and some of these impressive performances, yeah, it, actually, they've come out of sloppy football. Um, and you're not going to get many of them throughout the season. And then that's, that's relegation form. I mean... I'm looking at the Newcastle game, thinking that that could be a pivotal match. And, and and you never you never would have thought, looking at the fixtures going into the season, that in December Newcastle coming comes to town, and we're looking at that as, as a potential potential relegation match almost. You know, we're seven points above uh, above the bottom three. Um, there's no guarantees we're going to pick up any more points before before Boxing Day. You know, as we said already, Chelsea away, Leicester at home. You know. Two difficult games, Leicester with a big win over Newcastle actually today, and you just don't know. It. And we've been here already. Where the next the next points are going to come from? And we said we needed to do something this month, and so far obviously we got the the points against Arsenal, but we've shown the the best and worst of ourselves, haven't we? In in terms of the the last few games, and you know it's been Everton all over in in a sense. You know from from the Merseyside derby to to Arsenal to to that nonsense today, but it's just not good enough. You know, we were built on, you know, we've always been, you know, over the years, a difficult side to beat. And even when we weren't, you know, great in an attacking sense, we put a shift in, we put a shift in. And at the moment, the manager just can't get a tune out of the players. And for me, there's a huge issue and potentially even even bigger divides in the camp um, in terms of players, manager and, and what they're being asked to do. And it's, it's, it's a shame because... We all want the same thing. We all want success. We all want Everton to be to be a, a better football club, um, and that's the biggest the biggest concern for me. I mean, you got the manager saying today, Pete. He just just said that he took Richardson off because he had an issue with his calf. His reaction was clearly not Richardson having an issue with his calf. I know we had a little in the first half. He was down for a little bit, wasn't he? And he got up and he he, he held it. But Richardson knew he was not going to be, or he knew in his own head. He should not have been taken off the pitch today. He was fine to stay on the pitch. He knew that. And he could have relayed that to the medical staff at any time. I don't need to go off. I'm absolutely fine. Now, the manager, what he's also said, Pete, and this is this is, is interesting as well, that basically uh, he was asked about the fans jeering him during the games. Obviously, we mentioned in the first part of the show that fans were, were shouting towards towards him and you know in a derogatory way and seeing Charles. And he said, basically, they don't know what's going on. Um and what what he's saying is, you know, 
that Richardson was injured. That's why I took him off. So there's a little bit of spite there towards towards the fans. And like I said, when we're getting to this point where fans are going with the manager, the manager's going with the fans, it's very, very difficult to see how he turns this around and how he continues in the longer term as manager at his football club. Exactly. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's a losing battle, isn't it? The, the only way that he can turn this around is by winning football matches. And it seems like even then, he's going to be less popular than he was when he was winning football matches at the start of the season, um, where, where you'd say the majority of fans were on the fence. Um, and, you know, it's just so hard, isn't it? When you look at recent history, you know, Evertonian sort of came out and said, look, no offence, but we're better than Sam Allardyce. And, you know, he's not the type of character we want as our manager. And also, he's not playing the style of football that we think represents us. I don't think Rafa's going to get much more grace, certainly not from the fans. Um, and then, it, yeah, it comes down to the, you know, the board and the majority shareholder in terms of whether they choose to defy the fans. And, you know, again, you'd say a lot of fans have probably moved certainly closer to the fence when it comes to Mashiri and, and, and the board recently. Um, and it, it's starting to feel like a very difficult time where things aren't being managed very well. But you actually trust those in charge to, to make the right decision as well, whether that be to remove the manager or whether it be to, to bring in the right person to, to, you know, take over the reins. You just don't know. I mean, the way things are at the moment, so many people have, have left the, the roles um, the board seems to be getting smaller by the day and you know we don't know whether we're going to see a new director of football that all the power seems to have gone to this manager and my point that I made on Friday was that it's all well and good saying basically the manager's got full control of X, Y and Z but what happens if he's removed in two or three in two or three matches so you, you, you've, you've, you're now working towards a new structure and a new system what happens then when he, when he gets removed you know, you've got to have a long-term vision, and it's a, it's a long-term vision pointing dinosaurs to, you know, like like a, an Allardyce and Steve Bruce and people like that to come in and, and have full operate, um, operating um, tools at the club. Well, not for me, and it it just looks like a very very it's a massive backward step. I think the way that the this this stance that the the owner is taking, and I think you know the the this, this concerns of the fans. Uh, are absolutely right in terms of, you know, we are concerned with what's going on. And I've said it already, communication is appalling. And one thing that I'd like to come out of any kind of fan protest and things like that is, is communicating with the fans better because we don't get told a thing. Um, we shouldn't be told everything. Of course we shouldn't, but we should be told something. And one thing that we lack is is, is the uh, is communicating effectively with fans. Um, now, whether whether we see the manager still there in a couple of games' time, I don't know. Results will be dependent. I'm sure when we get to the Chelsea game, you know, that will be, I'm sure, written off in in terms of the, the, the board and the owner. He won't be thinking, well, if we lose there, he's, he's gone. But the decision will either be, either be made before that game or after the Leicester game for me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the that's kind of short window that we're talking about at this moment in time. Um, because as much as the, the owner might might think that he's the man for the club, there will come a time, there will come a point where his his role becomes untenable 
And I think personally that time is around about now. Um, and I think we could see him removed. I really do at the, the, the beginning of this week. But what do you think, Pete? Are we, are we saying in or out? Well, in terms of what I think the board will do or what I, what I think should happen. What you think should happen? I just think he's reached the point now where I don't think he can turn it around. And you know what? I wish he could. I, I, I'd i love Rafa Benitez to, to win trophies and titles with us, but I just don't think with the way he's handled himself and the way he's managed a couple of key things over the past few weeks that, that it's possible. Um, to, and I, I hate saying it, but I, I think he does need to go. I think more and more fans, especially after today, um, but more and more fans, I think, are now of that belief. And when when that happens and you start to get a tsunami of fans thinking of mind you needs to go, I think it becomes inevitable at some point in the very, very near future. Um, to, you know, the shame things haven't worked out, but I think for me, I think if you want to try and get the fans back on board as an owner, as a majority shareholder, after the fan unrest and after the run that we're on, you, you take you take um, direct action. And a direct action, I think, at the moment is to remove the manager. And like you say, don't like to say it, but that's where we are. And if we don't do something, because we can't sack all the players, I say it every single time a manager goes, we can't sack all the players. And I know some of these uh, players have seen various managers off, etc., etc. But you can't sack all the players. We're in a, an appalling position and it, we're in danger. You know, luckily at the moment, there's three sides that have been worse than us over the course of the season so far. Um, but I think I think the the owner has got to take direct action very very quickly. But we will see what happens before the Chelsea game, of course. I'm sure, but he says will come out swinging even further in his post post match comments. Um, but unfortunately, but as I say, we, we go to Chelsea on on Thursday, um, and we will discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast, where, like I said, we're back in action Thursday, um, going to high-flying Chelsea, you know, you've got so many players at, at the disposable, at the disposable, at the disposal, Everton are disposable, that's for sure, um, and aside, you, you can turn over any side on any given day, you know, they've got the, the returning Romelu Lukaku, um, who's just coming back into fitness, We've won the last game of the weekend, however controversially, um, and started time against Leeds United at Stamford Bridge. And they're a side who currently sit, sit third in the table, um, a point behind Liverpool, and then two points behind Man City at the top of the league. And Peter doesn't get much more difficult, does it, than than going to going to Chelsea with the form that they're in and the form that we're in? No, it's a nightmare game. It, it's an absolute nightmare. Um... And I think we're almost opposing teams in in lots of different ways, really. I was listening to uh, Tuchel talk after the European game about how maybe they fall into a bit of a habit of switching off when they take the lead uh, and allowing teams back into games. And we were saying earlier, you only seem to get a tune out of Everton once we get a shock uh, and go behind. But I I just can't see us... um, you know, turning around a deficit against this Chelsea side because I think they're excellent. I, th- I think 
Tuchel knows how to manage them. He's got them back into the, the sort of the, the system that they um, or a similar system to what they were in under Conte when they, they last won the, the title. Um, and they're, they're ruthless, and that that's the, the sign of a championship winning side. Uh, I think it'll be really, really difficult. Um, I'm really not looking forward to it at all. Going there though, Pete, against Chelsea, and, and obviously, like we've said, the high flying, fantastic side, most difficult place you, you can really go with the form with the form that we're in. I'm I'm totally in agreement with you. Where I just can't see us going there and laying a glove on them in any way, shape, or form. You know, which we're not going to. If, if you look at us against Crystal Palace, are we just sat back? I wanted to soak it up and you know potentially try and hit them on the counter against the Chelsea side with with, with the players that they've got and, and the form they're in. We can't even do that. You know, I don't even know how we're going to approach the game. I don't know who's going to be available for the game. You know, if Alan's available, he might go back in. You know, Luca Dean, he did say before today's game that he, you know, he's got a, he's gonna have a chance over the next few weeks. Don't even know if the manager's gonna be there, is another point. So I just I, I go to that game. With absolutely no hope whatsoever, and that's really, really sad. I know, I know, we've had games since the start of the season. You know, Man City away is a, a place that you go and you think, well, you know, difficult to go to get anything at all. But we'd seen Palace go there and do it a few weeks earlier. You know, even a Merseyside derby, Goodison. Okay, we weren't in great form, but it was a Merseyside derby, so you give yourself a little bit of hope. I've got none going to, to Stamford Bridge, and my concern is keeping the score down which is certainly not, not a way that we should be approaching the game. But after today, and the impact that's going to have on the players, the, the negativity around the manager, and obviously substitutions, decisions that were made, he seems to be sort of snapping back at fans. That's just going to rub off on the players on the pitch. And if we keep it down to, to three, I think that'll be a success, which is a really, really poor way of, of looking at things. Um, but... What do you think, Pete? Do you think we can even we can even go there and have a shot on target? Like like Sam Allardyce days where we had a shot on target claxon? No, I I think it'd take a miracle. I I think there would need to be some kind of behind closed doors intervention but between Rafa and the squad. Um and you know it would be the performance of the season, no doubt. Um I I yeah, I hate saying it, I just can't see it. And again, that for me is it makes me think of we reached sort of the point of no return with the manager that we're thinking of approaching a football match, don't care who it's against. And thinking, you know, if we lose this by, um, you know, less less than two or three goals, then that's not too bad. I mean, that's that's just not acceptable ever for for, for Everton, is it? Um, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? It, it? It shows you the the absolute gulf between both sides and it's not just not just us in terms of obviously the gap between the top three and the rest of course but in in our in our current dilemma the gap seems to be bigger than it's ever been in previous seasons especially you know we'd always go there to Stamford Bridge and I think you know we go go into the game I think we've got some kind of chance of getting something from the game if we set up correctly but I just can't see us setting up in any kind of formation to give us any kind of chance to get anything from the game. And it's just, it, it's so sad to say that. I hate saying it. I hate just being in the situation that we're in. Uh, because, you know, you, you want to be, and we'll always back the side, and our away support shows it, our home support shows it. We're always there for, for the players and our team. 
But we're in such an appalling run of form that it's certainly not going to get better at Stamford Bridge. And if anyone can give me an argument as to how it's going to improve at Stamford Bridge, I'd love, I'd love to hear and love to, to know how we're going to approach that game in a positive way. But I can't see anything more than a, than a Chelsea win. And I'm going to go out there with a, with a 3 0 piece. Yeah, no, you you took the same prediction as me. I, I can't see us scoring. Um, I can't see us keeping the score down to anything under 2-0. Um, so, yeah, I hate to say it. I, I think it'll be a 3-0 Chelsea, but I'd, I'd love for the gods, the footballing gods, to to prove me wrong with it, some kind of Everton win or for us to get something from the game. But it just constantly feels like we're looking for that reset button um, and, and Rafa Benitez doesn't seem to be able to find it. Most definitely, most definitely. And um like I said to you before we recorded, peace out. Luckily, luckily, I'm uh I'm in a driving driving movie theatre watching Home Alone on Thursday. So I won't have the uh have the, the stress of watching of watching the game. So that's there's a positive. You know, if anyone wants to get down to I think it's called the Riverside Driving Thursday nights to avoid the match. I'm sure there's tickets still available. Uh, get you get get your car booked in uh, and you can avoid the match like me. Yeah, um, but, fair enough, Mike. Phone off, alerts off, everything off, and uh, don't don't look at the score until we played Leicester. It's probably the best day, uh, the best way to go about it. But really sad predicaments, you know. As much as we were joking, you know, I know me and you uh, absolutely at the end of our tether, and it takes a lot for it, I think, for us on this show to be that way. Uh, we do try and be as positive as we can. But listen, it comes to us all, and we've all got a breaking point, and I think we're at that particular point now, unfortunately. Um, fingers crossed we can put in some kind of performance against Chelsea fingers crossed we see some kind of action off the field over the next few days but, but who knows uh, but that's us for this week um, Lee will be back next next weekend we'll, we'll, we'll do a, a post Leicester match uh, your, your pre-Christmas show hopefully we'll have a half decent Christmas this year um, so we will catch you then The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.